with all my heart. Let's pray much about that in these days. All right, let's read 2 Samuel chapter 2. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, let me do this. Let me have prayer and we'll jump right into this. Father, please bless your word this morning and just help us now as we try to preach. I pray you'd speak to our hearts, please, this morning. And then for anybody who sits here in this service that's unsaved, God, I pray the Spirit of God this morning will make them aware of that lost condition, how pitiful, how perilous it is to be lost. Just the mention of that word, lost. Uh, Lord, may it this morning, the Spirit of God, deal with their heart, and may this be the day they come and make peace with Jesus, I pray. Speak to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think back a couple of weeks ago and then to previous weeks, then you may recall that for several weeks I have been preaching through the life of one of Israel's or Israel's greatest earthly king, a man by the name of King David. As I've told you before, King David had wore many hats throughout his life. When we first meet David, David is wearing the hat of a shepherd. He's just a young boy. And it seems like from the record of the scripture that the, the responsibility of watching his father's sheep, his father's name was Jesse, has fallen squarely upon the shoulders of little David. David is just a shepherd boy watching sheep. But then one day the prophet comes to, to his house and the prophet is there on a mission from God to find the next king for the nation of Israel. And after going through all the sons of Jesse, Finally, they send to the fields for David, and David is brought in. And that little shepherd boy that woke up that morning with just a life of going out and watching sheep, by the time the sun set that afternoon, that little boy had the anointing oil dripping off his brow because he'd been anointed the next king of the nation of Israel. So the shepherd went from a shepherd to a sovereign in just a matter of a few hours. Then we know that the shepherd that became a sovereign also became a soldier because it wasn't long the next Next chapter, he's down in the Valley of Eli carrying supplies down for his brothers when a big old giant walks out from the other side of the valley cussing God and throwing rocks and kicking dirt. And before long, David is heading down into that valley because all the men of Israel are afraid. David goes down into the valley and before you know it, by the time the dust has settled and the smoke has cleared, David has slain the, the, the giant of Gath and overnight he's become an instant hero in the land of of Israel. So the, so the shepherd became a sovereign, became a soldier. If they had one back in those days, David probably would have been awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for defeating Goliath in the Valley of Eli. But we also know that he was not just a shepherd and a sovereign and a soldier. But one of the things that we're interested in for this series of messages is the fact that David was a socialite. I mean David was a people person. He always was surrounded by people. Evidently David was kind of like a magnet, had a personality like a magnet because he attracted people to himself. And it seems like people just felt comfortable around David. You ever seen anybody like that? I mean, just being around him is like a, fre a breath of fresh air. And I mean, it's just like, you know, you're their best friend. They make you feel like that anyway. And they ain't got but 500 more just like you. 
But I mean, that's kind of the personality that David must have had. Because as you read through his story, you find that there are so many stories of other lives that work their way into and out of the story of King David. There are many other persons who step into the story of David and out of the story of David as well. And it's not so much David, though we talk a lot about David, but for this series of sermons, I'm more interested in the people that surround the story of David. And in our text this morning, it brings us to another one of those people. Maybe not one of the more famous people in the Bible, but yet a person that was a part of the story of David. His name is Abner. Abner. Now, of course, that name, you may say, Ab who? That's right, Abner. Uh, he, he's not one of the more, uh, more well-known people of the Bible. He's not somebody we really think a whole lot when we think about the Bible. In fact, we think about Moses and Joshua, and we think about David and Solomon and Peter and James and John. That's our thoughts, of course, of the Lord Jesus, obviously. Abner's not one of those people that would rank up there at the top of the more popular people of the Bible. And yet his story is so much like the story of so many of us that are sitting here in this auditorium this morning. He's a man who steps into and out of the life of David, but his story parallels the story of people just like you and people like me. If I had to give a subtitle to my message this morning, here's what I would call Abner. Abner was the man who preached the greatest sermon in all of the Old Testament. He is the man who preached the greatest sermon in all of the Old Testament. And here's the thing about his sermon. It was only four words long. Now, I know what you're thinking. I wish our preacher would take a lesson from Abner with them four-word sermons. But I want to talk to you about this man by the name of Abner from this text this morning. First of all, look in our text, if you will. Let me, let me read to you just some verses about Abner. Look at chapter 2 now in verse 4. Here's what the Bible said. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. So David, now Saul is dead. He's been killed at the end of 1 Samuel on top of Mount Geboah. So Saul is dead. The men of Judah take David. They anoint David to be their king. But then if you'll jump down in the same chapter to verse number 8, we read now about Abner. And here's what the Bible said Abner did. And Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's host, took Ispasheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahananim and made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, and over Jezreel, and over Ephraim, and over Benjamin, and over all of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel and reigned two years, but the house of Judah followed David. Now hold it, hold on, we've already got problems now because we got a nation that's divided. Half of them's going for Donald Trump and the other half's for Joe Biden. I mean, we're in trouble. Can I have an amen? I mean, half the nation is going for David, God's choice, and the other half's going for Ispasheth. Now, we've already got trouble, and what we find here in these next three or four chapters of this book is the civil war, the fighting that went on between Ispasheth under with Abner 
and David. Now jump over to chapter 3, if you will. Let me begin reading in verse 17, and I'm going to piece all this together for you in just a moment. Look at verse 17. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, You sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord had spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, will I save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spake in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went also to speak in the ears of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel, and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel unto my Lord the king that they may make a league with thee and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away and he went in peace. So now we have the story of another man who stepped into and out of the life of David. I think the key to understanding the stories of all these people in David's life is to ask ourselves this question. What did these people that we're talking about, what did they do with David? But I guess more importantly, we need to ask, what did David do with them? You know, there are many questions that you and I need to answer in this walk of life, and hopefully you've answered them right. Questions like this, where did I come from? Hopefully you know the answer to that question. Where did I come from? What about this question? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Why am I here on this planet? But you know the greatest question that any of us could ever ask is this, what have I done with the Lord Jesus? Because ladies and gentlemen, what you do with Jesus will determine what Jesus is going to do with you. Can I say that one more time? What you and I do with Jesus will determine what Jesus does with us. And ladies and gentlemen, in this story this morning, we see a man who did something with Jesus, or David, and then we see what David did for him. So let's just join this sermon now. Join me, if you will. I want to say three things about Abner. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to try to piece all this together in just about 25 minutes here. First of all, I want us to consider, number one, how Abner, how Abner fought David. You see, when we first run into Abner, the one thing that we come to understand about him is he's always fighting against David. Now, I think the reason that he's fighting against David is quite obvious, and the reason he's for Saul. You see, back in those days, you couldn't be for Saul and be for David at the same time. If you were for Saul, you were against David. And if you were for David, then you were against Saul. You see, Abner was all out for King Saul. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, them two were cousins. Their mamas were sisters, which made Abner and Saul first cousins. So they were in the family. You know, blood's thicker than water. Boy, he was for Saul. But the second reason he was for Saul is because he was the commander-in-chief of Saul's armies. In fact, back in chapter number 2, in verse number 8, the Bible verifies that fact in verse number 8. He is the captain of Saul's host. So he's in charge 
charge of all of the armies of Saul. Now in that day, you couldn't be for Saul and David at the same time. Saul hated David. Saul wanted David dead. And if you followed Saul, you hated David. And if you followed Saul, you wanted David dead as well. I say again, you can't be for Saul and for David at the same time. Now when I put my New Testament glasses on, I ran across a verse just like this one right here. No man can serve two masters. Can I just stop and say it's time to make a decision, ladies and gentlemen. If we're going to follow Jesus, then we need to follow Jesus. And if we're going to be out for the devil, then go out for the devil. But in God's name, quit trying to serve both of them at the same time. You can't grab a hold of the hand of God and walk with the devil at the same time. And you can't grab a hold of the hand of the devil and walk with God at the same time. There's going to have to come a time when you make up your life to either serve God or serve the devil, either one. No man can serve two masters. Oh, Abner was all out for Saul, which meant he was all against David. Now, of course, you and I know, if you've read the Bible, David had never done one thing to merit the hatred, the animosity, the rage, and the fury of King Saul. In not one occasion in the story of David's life do we ever find David taking up arms against King Saul. Uh, David never did one time fight against King Saul and yet constantly Saul was trying to do David harm. You know that sounds a whole lot like our Lord, don't it? We understand that when wicked men by wicked hands took our Savior and crucified him, our Savior had never done anything wrong and yet our Savior just like David did not retaliate against those men who did him wrong. The Bible said that when he was threatened, he threatened not. The Bible said of Jesus that he was a, as a sheep before her shears is dumb so he opened not his mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, when they took Jesus and put him on the cross, he didn't have to go to that cross. He could have retaliated. He could have called for the angels down from heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, he could have stoned flat the hills of Judea. He could have called the angels. He could have spoke the word and everybody there would have been into oblivion and destined and doomed for hell forever and ever and ever. But he opened not his mouth. He submitted himself to the will of God and he died willingly and he died voluntarily and he died without revenge so that people like you and me could be saved by the grace of our God. That's the way David was. David would not lift up hand. David would not lift up weapon against old King Saul. We know there was one time when Saul was caught in a very, very precarious situation. I'm talking about the time that Saul was in the cave of En The Bible said that Saul went in there to uncover his feet. Now in case you don't know what that means, that means Saul went in there to use the bathroom. And unbeknown to Saul, in the back of the cave, he had an audience. I don't know. That's probably pretty humiliating, wasn't it? There he sits in all of his glory, and here's David and a few of his men in the back side of the cave. And one of David's men said, This is the day God's delivered your enemy into your hands. Smite him. But David refused to do that. David always dealt with Saul in mercy and in grace. Well, this man Abner has spent his entire life fighting against David. He loved Saul. Saul was the king, which meant that he hated David. And the one all-consuming desire of his life was to keep David from becoming king. But then something happened. There's one thing. 
Abner, as long as Saul was alive, Abner could not come to King David. So what did God do? God removed that obstacle from Abner's life. Saul was killed a couple of chapters earlier on top of Mount Geboa. Now Abner is free to come to David to make peace with David. God has removed the obstacle, the main hindrance in his life to keep him from coming to the king. God's taken that out of the way. And what does Abner do? Look back into chapter 2, if you will, and verse number 8. The Bible said that God had removed one king from Abner's life. So what did Abner do? Verse number 8, Abner grabbed another king and set him up in his life. The Bible said there in verse number 8 that he took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and made him king over the nation of Israel. Can I stop and say, I've seen that happen so many times in my years of preaching. I've seen people say, I would get saved, but I've got an obstacle in my pathway. I've got a problem that keeps me from being saved. There's something that hinders me from coming to the king. And maybe with some people, for instance, it may be their job. Some people say, you know something? I can't be a Christian because I have to work every Sunday. I can't come to church. That hinders me from, from coming to the king from becoming a Christian. And then God, by his mercy and grace, removes that obstacle. Maybe that company slows down a little bit. Or maybe they make a decision that they're no longer going to work on weekends. And so that obstacle is removed. That person is now free to come to the king, to make peace with the king. And what do they do? Many times they just grab another king and set him up as an obstacle in their pathway from coming to the king. They'll go out and buy him a boat. Or they'll buy them a bike. I'm talking about a Harley Davidson. And every Sunday, now it's not their job no more, but they're out on their boat or they're off on their bike and they've set another obstacle up. Now they can't come to the king and because they can't come, they got a boat or a bike in their life and they can't come to the king. Oh, how sad. Oh, how tragic to die lost in your sins and go to hell forever and ever and ever when God has done everything possible to make you a pathway to come to the king and make peace. Abner fought David. Boy, there are people sitting in this room this morning and you're fighting the Lord Jesus in your life. What you don't understand in fighting him and resisting his will for your life. I trust this morning that as it has happened other Sunday mornings, but I trust this morning the Holy Spirit is going to pass by your way again this morning. I trust he's going to walk up and down these aisles and in and out these rows of chairs. And I trust he's going to speak to your heart and he's going to say that obstacle's now been removed. You're at peace. You're at liberty. You can now come to the king. I trust you won't turn him away. I trust you won't fight against him. I've seen people harden their neck. The Bible said he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. That's not an action. That's an attitude, friend. And there's a lot of people who sit back Sunday after Sunday and no, they don't shake their fist in the face of God and no, they don't look up from heaven and say, I don't want anything to do with you. But every Sunday by their attitude, hardening their neck, they turn away the king. They turn away the one that, that can save them by his grace and change his life. They say no to that king and they grab him an obstacle and they set it in their pathway. When ladies and gentlemen, you ought to run to the king and be saved this morning. Abner fought David. Can I say this? 
you're fighting a battle that you cannot afford to win. I used to think when I was a teenager, I was under deep conviction. I probably got under conviction when I was 12 years old. Mom and Daddy had us in church. First place I went when I got out of the hospital was to church. I thought we had a magnet on the front of our car anytime we left the house after 6 o'clock at night. It sucked us into the nearest church parking lot. That's all we did when I was growing up. Just went, And I can remember at the age of 12 being under conviction. And I'd be under conviction and sit in that church and I'd hold that pew. My knuckles would turn white, some services. And sometimes I'd leave and, and carpet balls had matted up in my fingers where I was hanging on. And I'd walk out the door and I'd think to myself, I beat it again. I beat it again. But little did I know, I was fighting a battle that I couldn't afford to win. I was resisting the one, and may I say the only one, who could save me from a lost eternity. I was saying no to the one who wanted to do something good and wholesome and holy in my life. I was turning away the one that loved me so much that he walked up Calvary's hill. I was saying I was fighting against him. You're fighting, but you're fighting a battle that you cannot afford to win. Abner fought David. But his story doesn't end there because number two, we find in our text, Abner sought David. You see, there came a time in Abner's life when something happened. I mean, all those days he'd been fighting David tooth and nail. And then one day there came a change of heart toward David. One day in Abner's life, he changed his mind about David. When it came to David, his ice cold heart began to melt. When it came to David, his hard heart began to soften. Something happened to Abner. Now I can't put my finger on a verse and a, and a passage, but here's two things I think happened to him. First of all, I think number one, he saw the rottenness of the king he'd been following. He saw the rottenness of the king that he, see, he'd been following King Saul. You talk about a demented. You talk about, you talk about a, a man that was, that was depraved. Old King Saul was a depraved individual. He was rotten to the very core. He was full of rage and he was full of fury and anger. He only cared about himself and his selfish desires. And anybody that got around him, he corrupted their life. Anybody that became associated with King Saul went down the same road that he was going down. He was responsible for destroying the lives of many people. And Abner sat back that day and he began to think about that king that he had been following, the rottenness of that king. He saw what he had done. He saw what he had done to the people who followed him. And then he started looking at himself and he saw similar characteristics in his life. He had taken on the characteristics of that rotten king he'd been following. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, he had become like that king. And when he looked in the mirror and saw himself, what he saw, 
saw disgusted him. What he saw disenchanted himself. Boy, can I just stop and say, Satan is a rotten ruler, isn't he? He cares about nobody but himself. He doesn't care anything about you, your happiness, your holiness. All he wants to do is to keep you morbid and miserable, dirty and depressed. He wants to destroy your home, drag your kids to hell, mess your life up. Ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't care anything about you. And then he wants to damn your soul in hell forever and ever and ever. And Saul starts thinking about that. Look at me. He's waking up now. Aren't you glad for the day that you woke up? Aren't you glad? I like what the story of that prodigal son when he's down that far country. The Bible said that he came to himself. Aren't you glad there came a day in your life when you came to yourself? Aren't you glad you stepped outside the small little box of your life and you started looking at the one you was following down the pathway to destruction. And you started looking at your own life and you start to yourself, I've turned into somebody I never ever thought I would be. And I'm following the wrong king. Boy, I'm so glad there was a day in my life when I woke up. Amen. I'm so glad there was a day in my life when I saw myself. I saw the one I was following. He saw the rottenness of the king that he was following. But then watch this. He saw the royalty of the king he had been fighting. Amen. I mean, he saw David. He saw David for who David really was. And he began to change his mind about David. He looked around and he saw the change in those men that had followed Saul all those years. Can I say this? Saul didn't bring out the best in you. Saul brought out the worst in you. David didn't bring out the worst in you. David brought out the best in you. And then he got to looking at those people that were following King David. I mean, the Bible said that these people came to David and they were miserable. Watch this now. They were miserable. They were in debt. They were in distress. They were discontented. They were depressed. They were disillusioned. They were disappointed. And they came to David in that state of misery. And David took those men in misery, those miserable men, and turned them into mighty men. <laughs> David took that crowd that was so down and so out. And when they started hanging around David, the next thing you know, David said, I want to tell you about my mighty men. I mean, before they met David, they were not, they were good, no good for anybody. But then David turned them into men that he could trust to help him run a nation, run a kingdom. Only David could do this. I'm glad I can tell you about one this morning. Thank God he can take the most miserable person, that person that's been dirty and defiled by the devil, and thank God by his grace, he can change him and turn him into a mighty man. Amen. Thank God for David. Thank God for Jesus. But here's what I think really got old Saul. And that's this. He got to thinking about his future. I mean, there was no future in following Saul. Saul was dead. Saul was gone. There wasn't any future in following old Ispasheth. You know why? The Bible said he was waxing weaker and weaker. And then he got to thinking to himself, you know something? You know something? God has already decreed that David is going to sit upon the throne. God has already declared that one of these days, David is going to be the king of the nation 
of Israel. And all of a sudden, Abner's world began to crumble. He's fighting a battle that he can't afford to win. He's fighting against the one that God has said is going to rule and reign. Can I just stop this morning and say this? The fight was fixed. Thousands in Israel had already bowed their knee to David. And one day everybody in Israel was going to bow their knee to David. Can I stop and say this? One of these days, everybody in this world is going to bow their knee. You've got to forgive me. And I'm not trying to be political. This is not a political rally. This is a preaching service. But can't you just some of these bless God bleeding heart liberals some of these days that's so against God, so against our government, so against the Bible, that hate Jesus, hate the church, tried to shut us down. One of these days, they're going to hit their knees. And they're going to say, hey, you say, preacher, what if Joe Biden, it ain't going to matter if Joe Biden gets in, he ain't going to be president no way she is. Can I tell you something, bless your heart, it don't matter what happens on November 3rd, on November the 4th, God's already said someday his son is going to sit upon the throne and buddy, there's nothing a liberal or anybody else can do about that. Jesus is going to rule some of these days and every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that he's the Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to look at this. I had them put this up on the screen, but look at this right here. You must decide, you must decide if Jesus will be your Lord. But ladies and gentlemen, you will not decide if Jesus is going to be the Lord. Amen, preacher. Hey, can we just stop and give an invitation right now? We got to make up the choice whether Jesus is going to be our Lord. Our Lord. But God's already said he died on the cross. 72 hours later, I raised him back from the dead. 40 days later, I carried him to heaven, sitting in my right hand. But don't you worry about it. You hadn't seen the last of him. He's coming back someday, and he's going to be the Lord someday. And there's not one thing we can do about it. We're just going to bow our knees and say, Jesus, you are the Lord. Amen, preacher. Yes, sir. So, oh, Abner, I mean, he's in a pickle. I mean, here's David. He's been fighting against him. Now he realizes Saul's such a terrible leader. I've been following the wrong one. He's leading me down the wrong path. David is so royal, so good. David is, David is a man of character. He behaves himself wisely. I, I got to change direction. So there's nothing left for him to do but to come to David. Look what happened in our text in chapter 3. And the Bible said in verse number 21, Abner said unto David, I will arise. So here comes Abner to David, and I like this. Look at verse 21. The last phrase of verse 21 said this, When he came to Abner, to David, when Abner came to David, David sent him away in peace. I wish I could get down there among y'all for just a minute. But I don't want to spit on you and give you COVID. Or the cooties. You'd probably come more near getting the cooties than you would the COVID for me right now. But I will tell you something, friend. I'm so thankful there was a day in my life 
when I finally realized I was following the wrong one. I was following the one that was leading me down the path to destruction. I was fighting against the one who loved me and gave his life for me on Calvary. And I'm glad there finally came a day in my life when I woke up and I gathered up the bundle of my life and I came to the king. I came to Jesus. And when I left, he sent me away in peace. You say, preacher, this world is a mess. You know something? You're right. We in a mess. We up to our eyeballs and now we up to our hairline in a mess. But I'll tell you something. I don't I, I want to be honest with you. I watch the news. I've been watching too much. I've been on vacation. God knows. I'm, I'm, take, I'm on four nerve pills nowadays. I've been watching Fox News. I mean, it's just terrible what's about to happen. I mean, I've been watching Fox News, and I just tell you, it ain't affected, 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 affected me yet. But I mean, I'm in trouble. But can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I got peace in my heart. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I, they may burn it down. Burn it. They may burn it down, bless God. But all they're going to do is burn me into heaven. Because I know my name's written there. Amen. Yes, sir. He came to Abner. Can I tell you something? If you'll come to King David's greater son, if you'll come to Jesus, he'll send you away in peace. He'll send you away in peace. So watch this. Abner fought David. Abner sought David. And last of all, notice in our text, what Abner brought David. Now look at verse 21 of chapter 3. And what he's going to do is now he's going to do a little Old Testament soul winning. You see, for all these years, he's been leading all these men in his armies to hate David. He's been leading them to fight against David. He's been leading them to detest the very mention of the name of David. I mean, he's been leading these men uh, in, 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 with a terrible attitude toward David. But now after he comes to David in verse 21, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to gather all Israel unto my Lord the King, that they may make a league with thee, that thou mayest reign over all that thy, uh, thine heart desireth. So he said, hey, I'm going to go get my buddies now. I'm going to go get every man in my army, David, and these men that I have led to hate you, I'm going to tell them, I was so wrong. I'm going to tell them, you weren't what I said you were. I'm going to tell them how wonderful you are, David. I want them to know you like I know you, and I want them to have the same kind of peace in my heart, that, in their heart that I got in my heart. I'm going to go get them and bring them over here. And now here's the message, and I'm done. It's 11 o'clock. I brought you the whole, I preached this whole thing to get to this. Look at verse 17. We're done. The Bible said, and Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, now watch this. You sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now watch this. What he's saying is this. He's saying, you know something? Y'all been wanting this for a long time. You've been thinking about it. You've been talking about it. You probably laid down in the bed at night. You've been dreaming about it. David being your king. You've been wanting this for a long time. But now look at verse 18. Here's his four-word sermon. Look at verse 18. Four words. Verse 18. Now, then, do it. <laughs> you know what Abner said? Y'all been, you've been talking about it, thinking about it, 
dreaming about it. I mean, you've been rolling it over. I'll tell you what y'all need to do. Just do it. Nike didn't come up with that. Abner did. Dorothy didn't come up with that. There's no place like home. Brother Tim did. No, I'm kidding. Abner said, what you just, you've been, you've been talking about it, think about it. Just do it. And can I say this? Some of y'all have been sitting in these services Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you know you're lost. You know you're lost. I mean, you're as lost as a ball in high weeds. If you die today, you're going to hell. You know that. You've been thinking about getting saved. You've been maybe even talking to others about it. Maybe you've been talking to me about it. You've been talking maybe to others about it, thinking about it. What is it we say in the country? You've been mulling it over in your mind. Can I preach to you a four-word sermon this morning? Now then, do it. I mean, the one you're following is going to lead you to hell. He's rotten to the core. He's a liar and the father of all lies. And you don't care one thing about you. That's the reason you're in the mess that you're in today. You're following the wrong one. You need to change kings. Watch this. Now then, do it. Do it. Can I have an amen? Now then, this is your now then, do it moment. And there may never be another one. Do it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray this morning, I pray.